Hello and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. My name is Matt Applegate and I'm your host today. Uh, I'm joined by my guest, Alex Sion, who is the president and co-founder of MoveIn, a company that's reinventing retail banking for the mobile age. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Thanks, Matt, for having me. So why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to start MoveIn. Sure. So I've been in the financial services industry for over 20 years, uh, starting kind of in the 90s and sort of the beginning of the dot-com era uh, in investment banking. And, and my career path essentially been tracing how technology from the, you know, the early 90s uh, to today has really impacted the way financial services and in particular retail financial services has worked. Um, so, you know, during that path, I spent time in the consulting space, uh, like I said, investment banking. I also spent some a good amount of time at Citigroup, where I helped to launch a digital direct uh, brokerage and banking business there, um, and then also time at the digital marketing agency uh, space. Um, and then, you know, from that experience, essentially, you know, uh, as mobile social and uh, mobile payments started to really pick up steam, uh, Brett, Brett King and I uh, had really sort of thought about what was the implication to the overall banking space, and that's where, you know, the idea of movement started. It seems like there are a lot of changes uh, happening in the retail banking space yep. these days. So in your view, what are the biggest points in, in retail banking today? Yep. So I, I think, you know, honestly what's happening uh, is is the single biggest disruptive change within banking that I, you know, will see in our lifetimes and potentially within the history of the banking uh, and, and why sort of fundamentally is this happening. Because essentially in 2007, three things happened at the same time. Um, there was the, the launch of the iPhone, um, the rise of the social networks, in particular the movement of social networks towards more social, uh, towards more mobile sort of interaction. And then the third was the global financial crisis, right? So independently, each one of these would have been pretty major events in and of themselves, but all together combined, the net impact was that they changed really the consumer behaviors around commerce. Uh, and I think that's the important point. Consumers now interact in a completely different way, and it's rapidly changing around the world in terms of the world of everyday commerce. And co banking exists to support commerce. So the nature of banking, uh, you know, necessitates, right, you know, that it follows the changes within commerce, and I think that's what you're seeing. So for, for you know, for the past hundreds of years, really, the, the, the core co uh, experience of commerce was essentially pretty this, pretty similar, right? Around the world, you go to a physical store, you have money, you buy stuff that you want, and that's the way it works. But now that the, the fluidity of that commerce and the sort of total disruption of the experience of commerce is changing, it's really changing, the, you know, fundamentally the people's interaction with money and the services around money. So our belief in movement is that the disruption is really the commerce experience, not essentially banking itself. So banking products will remain largely the same. You'll still need to put some money somewhere safely and securely. You'll still need to move it about. You'll want to save and yield interest. But that experience of how you interact with money day to day um, is really the thing that's being changed the most. Okay. Can you tell us more about the, the products and the services that 
you provide and, yeah. and how they address the pain points that we've been talking yep, about. Absolutely. So Move-In has reinvented essentially the retail banking basic core product. Think of it as the basic checking account, right, into a product that we would describe as an app that helps you make smarter spending decisions, uh, guides you to better spending habits, and helps you ultimately save. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll say that again because for emphasis is we're an app that helps people build better spending habits and guides them to save. There is no checking account on earth that would be described that way. And I think that is really the difference that we bring is that, you know, we have taken essentially what, what in all, you know, walks quacks like a checking account and a basic banking structure, but have turned it into an app experience um, that, that where the value proposition is not in the sort of commoditized money product itself, but in the app uh, and the value that that app brings to your lifestyle. And it seems like there are a lot of financial services-oriented apps showing up these days. What's unique about Move-In and how do you differentiate yourselves from the sure. competition? Yeah, absolutely. So, what you know, there are a lot of apps out in the market that help people budget and manage money. Um, and then there are a lot of banking apps uh, in the market that help people view their balances and move money about. What makes Moving unique is we have actually combined the two structures together, uh, and the heart of Moving is essentially the real-time feedback that we can provide customers, uh, our customers, on their interactions with their everyday money that guide them via our algorithm to smarter decisions. So we we like to think of ourselves as like Fitbit for money, right? So uh, to us, the card is the hardware. Right? It's like the wristband, and then the app is the app. And the card and the app linked is what provides the power. So when you are interacting and paying for things day to day, that feedback you're getting on what the implications of those behaviors are and how to improve from that is really the secret sauce for us, uh, which no other product on the market that we're aware of does today. So it sounds like you're giving your customers some really great feedback through the app, but how do you measure and track your impact? Yeah. How do you prove that Move-In improves customer saving and spending habits? Totally. So first level is just the level of engagement and usage that we get, right? Do people actually use the app or do they just swipe and use the card? Well, we have data that shows that, yes, in fact, uh, uh, the third, third of our customers are engaging with our app experience 90 times a month. So 90 times a month is, is it's about as much you might engage with, for example, Facebook. So the ability to engage with a banking, and it's off the charts from a banking app perspective. So one indicator to us that this kind of hardware-software combo is working is that level of engagement. The second is you know, the usage of Move-In as a transactional platform, right? Uh, how much money are people cranking through the system and who's using it? What we're finding is over 40% of our customer base is in that millennial sort of, uh, you know, sort of market period, under 29, and they're using it like a primary banking account, putting all of their, you know, direct deposits, 70% of them will direct deposit into the card and then transact on the card upwards of 50 times uh, a month. So those are indicators to us that this combo of the banking power plus the app power is really the secret sauce. 
The last component is, are we actually helping them make smarter spending decisions day to day? And that's the one where we're still, you know, we've got a lot of data indicating that, but, but that's, that's really our mission, right, is to, is to really track, can we change a consumer spending patterns over time? Still too early to tell on that, but the indicators are that they're definitely using movement to manage their discretionary spend. So the things that, you know, dining out, travel, the things that you would want to be mindful on and control are the things that they're they're spending on the movement card, um, which I think is a good leading indicator of, of you know, potentially our ability to influence um, decisions on that level. Um, so I think, yeah, all roads are leading us to the, to pretty compelling data around that perspective, but it's still a little early for that. So you, you just mentioned that 40% of your customer base is in the millennial generation. Yep. And I recently read a study by PwC which showed that over two-thirds of millennials currently use or are considering using mobile banking services yep. versus, you know, under half of baby boomers, yeah. for example. Are you actively targeting millennials, yeah. or yeah. is this something that's just come about uh, by nature of the, the marketplace? And yeah. have you found it challenging to connect with some of the older generations? Sure, that's a good question. So I think we, by our very nature of how we sell the product, like, like I said, it's not a checking account, but it's an app that will help you build better spending habits. And the primary ways in which we marketed the app was via social networks and digital channels, uh, and the call to action was download the app, right, not open an account. So, you know, by the very nature of that, I think it just naturally skewed towards that younger audience that would be sort of, you know, would, would definitely be compelled by that kind of interaction versus a older audience who might be, you know, more uh, think differently about that type of interaction. Um, so I think that's, you know... Uh, Probably, you know, not an explicit target against millennials, but that it just gravitates towards their, the behavior that match with them. Um, yeah, and I, I actually don't think we do have a, a customers in pretty much across the, the board in terms of our uh, overall customer base. Um, I wouldn't say it's, it's a challenge targeting older users, but I think it's more just the idea that, you know, our app is a lifestyle tool. So if, if if money management and living commerce on your phone is your behavior pattern, then new, moving is going to seem very natural to you, um, which I think is, you know, it, that's, you know, in our belief is going to be a universal behavior very soon, but maybe is really concentrated just in that millennial base right now. And are there opportunities for millennials to sort of influence older generations? Do you see... Yeah trends moving in that direction? Or? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that we got constant requests on from the older folks is, frankly, can I get a card for my kid in college, right? Um, so I, you know, tools like Venmo, tools like MoveIn, the explosion of sort of P2P, I think has uh, trained, you know, both the younger generation and now kind of the older generation that that core concept of moving money about between friends, Right is something that is really best done via mobile phones and digital, uh, and I think that's a good example of where younger kids who, who that is their that's this you know secondary behavior is why am I going to write you a check? Let me just pop you some money right you know via my phone. Uh, that interaction will spread that virality you know to uh, older generations as, as that's the way to collect. 
seems like you're fairly focused on one segment of the market or one you know one product type. Have you considered expanding your product portfolio or or potentially expanding into new geographic markets? Sure. Uh, and and if so, what are the most attractive opportunities in in your view? Sure. So on the product side, the answer is is absolutely. So we. We began with basic deposits and payments because that essentially is how banking begins, right? You, you sort of need to put money someplace securely and then be able to use it to fuel your everyday lifestyle, right? So that made sense to us. But no bank essentially exists just as a deposit account, right? So banking naturally segues from deposits into savings, uh, and then, you know, frankly, into credit and beyond. And we, our product roadmap leads us in exactly the same direction. Later this summer, we will be launching um, our savings uh, account, which we're calling Impulse Savings. And essentially there, it's the ability to uh, save at opportunistic moments that are triggered by good spending habits. So not this methodical, I need to think about stowing money away, but rather, you know, an in-the-moment interaction based upon, you know, good spending patterns that will trigger you to save 20 bucks when it makes sense, right? And would this be automated or would it require the automated. user to, to so opt it would, be, it would be the kind of thing that uh, a user would just get, you know, as a notification after buying a coffee, right? Uh, for example, that they have the opportunity to stow uh, some money away right now and then encouraging to do them to do so in a seamless way. So that's savings for us. Credit is also by end of summer, maybe early fall, our credit. Uh, we're already experimenting today with credit in partnership with uh, Payoff and Common Bond in particular, who both have products that appeal to our customer base. But the concept of credit to us is just a variety of spend. So if you think about what credit is, it's essentially just spend but done with somebody else's money. <laughs> right. So what we will also do is to surface moments that uh, an individual can use and leverage credit at appropriate times in their lifestyle. So think of it as I walk into a Whole Foods and I typically spend $100 there, but I've got uh, $50 in my account. Uh, you know, the ability for us to identify someone via geolocation and pop them an offer that says, hey, you know, you typically spend 100 you've got 50 how about we, we kind of loan you the 50 um, at a very different rate than you would typically get via an overdraft or something like that? Um, That's the kind of thing that we would be, we'll be doing sort of in late uh, summer, fall time frame. So product expansion is definitely there. Um, on just, the, just one more question on the product yeah. expansion before we switch. So sure. while as you expand, how do you maintain focus and yeah. – Stay true to your competitive advantage. Sure. I think, so the heart of it all is an app that helps you make smarter, uh, build better habits, right, money habits. And so that is our laser focus. So in some ways, why we can maintain this focus is it all comes down to everyday lifestyle spend, right? That's what we're optimizing. So uh, for us, these are not kind of quantum leaps, uh, outside of a core product view, but frankly, the evolution of how you would extend your spending habits, right, into savings and essentially the usage of, smart usage of credit. Uh, so to us, it's not really, you know, dramatic uh, loss, loss in focus rather than the evolution, of the natural evolution of where the product should go. Um, 
Then on the enterprise side, actually, uh, we are already expanding internationally. Our strategy there is to partner with international banks that can leverage the, the experience that we built uh, you know, at Movin within their banking environments. So we've announced uh, two to date. One is uh, with TD Bank up in Canada, and the second is with Westpac in New Zealand. Um, and both of those, you know, Westpac is already live, and uh, TD is set to go live within the, the next, uh, you know, short period, next four to six weeks. Um, we're very excited about those as well. So a question on security, right? Yeah. Um, Moving customers can access the majority of the app's features without a username, a password, or even yeah. a fingerprint yeah. authentication. Yeah. Um, are consumers ready to embrace this type of yeah. mobile banking, and what security mechanisms do you use to protect your customers' data? Totally. Um, so that, that's a really great question. We, we recently moved to this uh, security format that we call device trust or secure device ID. Um, and what that fundamentally does is it, 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 it allows the, a banking app to behave more like the rest of the apps on your phone, especially things like Facebook. So if you think about it, Facebook, um, you log in, you, you're in, you're in, right? <laughs> you're never logging in and out of Facebook. You know, you used to do that, and then now they did away with it, and virtually all of that information is open now. So obviously, you can't do that with banking and moving money. But we think you can do that when it comes to basic information about financial wellness. So what we do in our app is trust the, the device ID, uh, you, you sort of opt in to trust the device ID to say, let me access the information that I would want to know that will help me with managing my money habits, my spending patterns, my transactional, uh, you know, sort of what I'm spending on. Uh, essentially, those, those light elements of data that can be tied to your usage of the phone. Then, when you need to transact, when you need to move money about or create a secure transaction, we require actually a higher level of sophistication to complete those, whether it be Touch ID or the, inter, uh, the entering of a password. So to us, it's this tiered security model, which is, you know, it, it, it's almost taking what a lot of banks have done, which is peak to see my balance, but, but even upping the value. So we, we just believe that peak to see your balance is, is a, sort of a metaphor for, I, I want to be able to understand my money without much friction. Um, but then protect me when money needs to move, right, or needs to be spent, or my identity needs to be changed. All of those things, frankly, um, banks are usually very binary, like you're either not in the system and you get access to nothing, or you're in the system and you get access to everything. And uh, and no no sort of incremental passwords beyond that. What we're saying is that when you're in the system and you need to make a transaction, we're actually making that have more friction, um, so that we can assure that your security is in place when money needs to move. Let's talk briefly about regulation. Mm -hmm. Do you interact with regulators at this stage? Yeah. Is that something that's on your radar yeah. for the future? So structurally, we are not a regulated bank entity. We are a program manager that actually works with a bank in Kansas, um, and they're the regulated entity. That being said, we are their face to the customer, so we definitely deal with and live the world of dealing with customers in KYC and regulatory environments every day. And it's frankly our job right, to, 
to really focus on that. Um, and we actually have a lot of interactions with the regulators on a thought leadership basis because they look at what Movin is doing in a model and find it, you know, one pro-customer and extremely interesting in terms of what it might imply for the future banking around the world. So we actually have dialogue with regulators at very senior levels uh, from the United States and beyond because of that, uh, but we're not. So I would guess probably say that we're actually at the forefront of regulatory sort of discussions, but not a regulated entity in and of ourselves, which is kind of an interesting place to be, right? And in some ways, you know, I think a lot of the technology companies uh, that are doing bank-ish type things, right, uh, you know, are just off the radar from uh, regulators don't know how to deal with us yet uh, in terms of, um, you know, whether or not we're in the system or out. So let's change topics and talk about partnerships for a second. Um, I've, I've seen that you recently announced a number of new partnerships, um, including Payoff and Common Bond, which help individuals pay off credit card and student debt, uh, Blue Apron and Handy, which offer on-demand services, and uh, most recently the 300,000-member freelancers union. Yeah. So. Can you talk about your partnership strategy and yep. which new partnerships we might see going forward? Yep. Very simple. To us, the partnership strategy follows the customer, right? So we know we have a pretty clear idea on who our customer is and a clear mission in terms of what we do for them, which is to help them build better spending habits and ultimately, you know, guide them to save. So you'll see that every one of our partnerships, whether it's on the commercial side like Blue Apron, right, or on the financial services side like Payoff, or frankly, the Freelancers Union, um, which is kind of just a, uh, a very targeted set of people who exhibit movement behaviors, all of them are to the service of that mission and that customer base. So we, you know, our partnership strategy is simply extending our value proposition uh, to you know our targeted customer set, knowing that we are the hub of essentially their daily commerce lifestyles. And earlier you mentioned partnering with banks, so with TD Bank, with Westpac. Yep. Um, there's a lot of debate within the broader fintech community about whether fintech startups should displace or partner with traditional financial services providers like yeah. banks. What's what's your view um, sure. for I mean for Movin it seems fairly clear but yeah. is this, is is par partnership critical for success in yeah. this space? I think it depends upon the business you're in. Like it was it's very easy for Movin because we were never a bank, right? So like contrary to a lot, a lot of what people think, we don't consider ourselves and we have no aspirations, right, to be a bank, right, in the traditional sense. What we are doing is trying to reinvent the banking experience. Uh, and, you know, we always believed that it was core that if you're going to reinvent the banking experience, it needs to sit on top of and actually be directly integrated with banks. Um, so we, uh, so it's natural for us to pursue enterprise relationships with banks around the world, right? Um, but there are definitely financial services fintech companies that are seeking, have different models, right, where their model is really to disrupt um, an existing uh, mar product marketplace, 
right? So they, they were launching a fundamentally new savings account or insurance product or something like that. And I think in those type of models, yeah, it would be difficult to partner uh, with a traditional player. What's the biggest challenge Move and will face as the company continues to grow? So first and foremost is one, managing that growth. Right. Um, so continuing to hire the best people and create a world-class team, um, you know, folks that are passionate and focused, I think is an everyday challenge. That That is probably the central lifeblood of any startup, <laughs> really, at the end of the day. It comes down to forming that team and, and keeping that team cohesive and on point and focused. Uh, the second thing I do think is the fluidity of the environment, right? So fintech is a very dynamic space uh, that is rapidly growing and gathering more and more attention. You know, we have gone through the life of moving. We've stayed on mission and on vision throughout, but have pivoted uh, the way we kind of manage the business multiple times, right, along the way. So um, I think that the, the, the ability to pivot and the need to pivot is just not going to end, right, uh, anytime soon, especially in an environment as dynamic uh, as fintech, keeping up with that. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say is literally just pleasing our customers on both ends, so making sure that in our direct-to-consumer business we stay really focused on the needs of those customers and keep you know, wowing them with uh, compelling services and, and experience. And then on the bank side as well with our enterprise partners continuing to deliver true business value to them. Um, in a, in a deep partnership. Can you talk about what the retail banking landscape will look like five, ten years out, and yeah. what are some of the biggest changes we'll see? Sure. Um, well, in the United States in particular, I think you're going to have a major, major, major waves of consolidation and change, um, You know, fundamentally driven by this massive disconnect between uh, what I call the distribution layer and the product layer. Right. So if you think about just the nature of banking in this country with over 10,000, you know, kind of financial institutions, why are there 10,000 financial institutions around the country? Because because banking fundamentally was tied to geography, right? A town, an office, like uh, like literally a microcosms of geography uh, really were the organizing principle of banking in the United States. That goes completely away in the era of digital and especially mobile and the commerce world we're in. So there is no need for 10,000 banks in the United States. There maybe is no need for more than 10. And so massive, massive disruption and consolidation caused by that experience layer and the necessity for uh, physical distribution being such a big part of the business model that will happen uh, from that. I actually think that on the product layer of banking, things won't change all that much. Banking products uh, will remain what you see today. There will always be savings accounts. There will always be credit cards. There will always be different kinds of loans for different kinds of purchases. I actually don't think that the rates are going to be impacted all that much, maybe within bands to get slightly more efficient. Um, I do think that profitability uh, through better management of risk and better sort of origination of customers could transform the nature of the business models uh, for retail banking, you know, not only in the United States but throughout the world. So I think, as, you know, in sum, you're going to see a lot of massive disruption in terms of the banking, the money experience layer, 
there will be very little disruption in terms of what banking is as a product, uh, but the profitability and the economics of the, the institutions that remain within the banking space is going to be dramatically different. It's going to look very different P&Ls. So just to, to wrap up here, could you give us some advice on, uh, you know, based on what you've learned over the course of your career, um, you know, what should students looking at, to enter the fintech space sure. know? Yeah. Well, know that old books you should throw out. So any of the roadmaps to talk to you about how to develop or create a bank 101 um, written by some of those 101 players, I would just not even refer to because <laughs> I do think the environment is is dramatically changing and the old rules definitely don't apply. So it's not going to help you to learn traditional bank marketing via telephones, direct mail, and buying stadium rights. Um, so in many ways, the reinvention of the, how the game is played should be what you're focusing on and not referring back to, frankly, anything in terms of the old world, uh, it, you know, only to the extent that you're figuring out how to change it and make it different. Um, the other thing is I would, you know, not think uh, in the silent way that many bankers think, right, the product world or, you know, departmental view of banking, whether it be, you know, as, you know, asset management being different from insurance, being different from deposits or anything like that. In some ways, that is what Move and Manifest is that it's the product constructs, while they will still be there, won't be the organizing principle, right? It'll be this customer-centric approach, which frankly doesn't give a crap about product structures, that is what you've got to learn. And I think, you know, again, that would be reemphasize that point that all of the old models and the old frameworks for how to think about being a banker are going to dramatically change. So, you know, uh, pick on your, put on your retail hat, put on your, you know, uh, you make analogs to the record or music industry is a lot more appropriate than studying how J.P. Morgan or Citigroup work. Well, thanks, Alex. This has been a really interesting conversation. We're so happy you, you. Could, could join us today, um, and we look forward to continuing to work together going forward. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks Matt.